This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we are here to give you our opinions on 80s and 90s media. Do you think it's worth like restating since we're getting close to 50 episodes restating like what the podcast is supposed to be about in case you're coming across this episode like as your first episode? I mean, maybe. Sure. I'll just I'll give it a quick rundown then. So we assign you homework every episode. We review that homework the next episode. And we want you to do your homework with us. So sometimes it might be something you've seen, but if it's something you haven't seen or haven't participated in, then you need to get on it because it's your overdue homework. Exactly. So you need to get on it so then you can participate in the next episode and you can participate especially by emailing us at uh, overduehomeworkpodcast at uh, gmail.com. So I think that made enough sense. So why don't we move on? Let's move on. <laughs> How you doing, Trav? I'm doing really good, man. Really chill day off. Today I got to go see my dad for a bit, go into New Ulm and... Uh, do a little Halloween homework here, so it's been a good day. How yeah. about yourself? Uh, it's uh, it's been a it's been a good day. Um, I have uh, my little procedure to look forward to, my little vasectomy. It's in a couple snip, of days. Snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Did you know that they have like three different tiers of the vasectomy? No. So there's like a bronze vasectomy, which is just like the bare bones vasectomy, where they just go in, they do it. You don't really get much pain medication, and then you're out of there. And then the second one is you get the Valium, you get a little bit more pain medication, they take a little bit more care, and then you're in and out of there still, same day. And then there's the platinum uh, uh, vasectomy that you can get. And I opted for the platinum. Okay. <laughs> I opted for the platinum. I'm like, I got that at great insurance. So let's go platinum. Let's on go it. platinum. Let's go platinum on it. So with that one, they take great care of your genital area. Nice. They caress it not in a non-sexual way, just in like a really comforting way. <laughs> and then they go in and they remove the whole thing and make you smooth as a Ken doll. Smooth. <laughs> so I, I went platinum. Platinum penis. Gone. <laughs> gone. They're taking it. Oh man. Uh, not really, but, uh, I can't wait to have it done. So then it's done and then it's all over with and I don't have to like worry about medical procedures <laughs> anymore. So, so what you're saying is you're the first of either of us to go platinum. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, so in the production of today's podcast, I use some articles from a few websites, uh, two articles from ScreenRant.com. One was by Jake D. Jake is a constant contributor to this podcast. And the second one was by Derek Draven. Um, the other website I used was CreepyCatalog.com. Sounds iffy, I know, but it had lots of good information on it. <laughs> uh, thanks to Chrissy Stockton for her hard work on that article. Um, and then finally, uh, from Collider.com, and that article was by Collodier Staff. Collodier <laughs> Staff. <laughs> uh, by the Collider Staff. So they took a page out of 80skids.com, I guess, and, I they guess. Went, and they went with just the staff. And uh, a quick shout out to Jake Basis, who's oh, yeah, another huge, huge part of our podcast. Yeah. I, I just realized the other day, I think he's contributed about 10% of the ideas that we've done <laughs> on this podcast. So that makes him like the unofficial third uh, partner in this podcast. <laughs> De definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. We Thank appreciate you, Jake. it. We appreciate it. Uh, so our homework review for this spooky, spooky Halloween episode. <laughs> Thank you. Is uh, Hellraiser from 1987. 
So Hellraiser was originally uh, supposed to be the title was supposed to be titled The Hellbound Heart, which was named uh, by the Clive Barker novella from which the story is adapted. Uh, the studio didn't like the title very much because they thought it sounded like a romance romance novel. Yeah, it kind of does, right? Uh, so as a result, uh, as a result, uh, Clive Barker suggested the title "The Sadomasochist from Beyond the Grave." <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the studio was like, mm, "I don't think so." That might be a little <laughs> in the other direction than I was thinking. Uh, so then there was another idea that was thrown about from an elderly female crew member. Uh, she suggested what a woman will do for a good fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, uh, Barker decided on Hellraiser. I'm really surprised they didn't pick that last one. <laughs> Throw that up in theaters everywhere. <laughs> what a woman will do for a good fuck. In theaters this fall. Must be 18. <laughs> So we've already mentioned his name, but this movie was directed by Clive Barker. Um, Clive Barker originally didn't want the Cenobite poster, the po- the iconic picture of Pinhead on the poster. He wanted a skinned version of Frank to be on the poster and then leave the reveal of all the Cenobites and Pinhead especially uh, to the movie itself. But obviously that was not what happened. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Uh, screenplay by Clive Barker based on the Hellbound... Hellbound I have a really hard time saying that apparently. Uh, the Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. Starring Claire Higgins as Julia Cotton, Ashley Lawrence as Kirstie Cotton, and forgive me if I say Christy, because I can't not say that in my, every time I read that or even hear it. I'm like, are they saying Christy or Kirstie? Yeah. Christy or which one is it? Uh, Andrew Robinson as Larry Cotton, Sean Chapman as Frank Cotton, Robert Hines as Steve, as Steve, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug Bradley as the lead Cenobite. Pinhead. <laughs> so the Pinhead nickname is uh, kind of controversial to Clive Barker. He uh, originally in the novella had it as the priest. So Pinhead was the priest. And then in all the scripts, it's just uh, he's labeled as the lead Cenobite. Uh, it wasn't until production began that the nickname Pinhead was actually mentioned on set. Uh, the nickname stuck and Barker has always hated it. He thinks it's undignified. Uh, speaking of Pinhead, Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead, um, was initially offered uh, one of two roles in Hellraiser. He had the choice to either play uh, one of the mattress movers or <laughs> to play the lead Cenobite. And interestingly enough, Bradley almost turned down the role of Pinhead because he thought the makeup was going to be was going to obscure his face too much and people weren't going to know who he was as an actor. But ultimately, he decided to be Pinhead. Why wouldn't you want to be like the titular role of the movie seriously i mean it's given him a career that's spanned decades now right so i think he is happy with his choice i think so (laughs) so another point on pinhead his makeup took roughly six hours to apply every time they had to get him into costume uh bradley himself became so uh good at applying and removing the makeup that he's often credited in the movies as uh, a makeup assistant nice so way to go dude i suppose the movies don't exactly have giant budgets ever so yeah he might be faced with uh, maybe only one or two people in his costuming department and he has to help out more of necessity maybe. right exactly <laughs> i don't know um so the movie is also startling or startling it is startling <laughs> <laughs> it's also starring nicholas vice as the chattering cenobite one of the more unsettling cenobites to me uh simon bradford as the butterball cenobite 
Uh, that is a comical name for him, considering yeah. it's all like weird and demonic. Butterball. Okay. Butterball. Uh, Grace Kirby as female Cenobite. She doesn't get a cool name. Nope. She's just a lady. Just a lady. That's her identity as being a woman. <laughs> um, and Oliver Smith as skinless Frank, Frank the Monster. The release date was September 10th, 1987 in London. Uh, so yes, this movie is shot in London, produced in London. Everything is done in London, but... It's not set in London. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Sure. <laughs> uh, so do you think you're ready to get into this movie, Trav? I think I am. Okay, I'm going to take a little sipple. A little sipple. <laughs> I do feel a little funny that we were amping up how scary and terrifying this was going to be, I feel like, in the last episode. Mm-hmm. And now I, I think we... Made it seem worse than it was. I expected it to be more terrifying than it was. And I also expected Pinhead to be a way more integral part of the movie. But actually, it makes sense that he wanted to name it after Jack because he is kind of the main person, I feel like. Yeah, he is. And I agree with you. I think I may have built it up a little bit too much for you. (laughs) Like, maybe not so much. Maybe I was trying to convey not so much that it is, like, really, really scary, but it's really, really gross and unsettling. It's definitely very gross. Very gross. Yes. Very gross. Definitely very gross. Some of those scenes that we'll talk about here coming up are... Like physically, like almost made me wretch a few times watching them, yeah. especially when I'm watching it like right up in my face on like my computer monitor. I'm like, that yeah. is hideous. I feel like anyone that listened to Beavis and Butthead is going to think we sounded like some girly men. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> there was no one there to bump us up. <laughs> very, very possible. But it was, I really liked it though. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Let's get to it. So Hellraiser, 1987. Uh, The movie opens up with the yet-to-be-named Frank buying a suspicious box with very dirty fingernails. Very dirty. (laughs) Like, you have to try to get him that dirty. I didn't want to... That's what you see before... (laughs) He's kind of in the darkness, and you see that before you actually get a good view of his face, and I expected this to be this, like, grotesque human being. Right. But he looks completely clean and normal, other than a little sweat. And those fingernails. Those fingernails. What were you doing? Maybe he works in a field. He's a field worker. (laughs) He's a field worker. What's your pleasure, Mr. Cotton? The box. Take it. It's yours. It always was. Uh, What's your (laughs) estimation on the uh, amount of money he gave him? The first stack was 50s. Right. The second stack was 100s. Right. I'm guessing like... 30-ish Gs? Do you think that much? $30,000? I mean feasibly so thirty thousand dollars is like how many one hundred dollar bills three hundred one dollar bills three hundred so if there's 50 you said 50s and hundreds. 50s was the first stack hundreds were the second stack so maybe it was that much money it's maybe over 10 grand over 10 grand i can go over 10 10 grand grand. i can go with over 10 grand a lot of money in 1987 which would be about 30 grand now probably i mean honestly triple it U.S. inflation calculator <laughs> in my head. You did. You did. Uh, and it's in some nondescript Asian country, correct? Yeah. Is Vietnam? Maybe. Sen- Senegal's not an Asian country. No, it's not an Asian country. What I mean, Cambodia? <laughs> like That's what it kind of gave me that feels for Definitely. like one of those uh, almost South Pacific Asian countries. So we uh, now flash to Frank in his bedroom at the family home. So he's made it all the way back to America. Well... He's made it back to America, America. In finger quotes, America, uh, and he solves the box intentionally. 
which is uh, seems like what you do with a puzzle box, right? Right. Maybe not necessarily surrounded in candles in a dark room. Certainly not myself. <laughs> but I wouldn't do that. But. Frank is into some weird stuff. Yeah, he, he definitely is. <laughs> well, he gets hooked. It uh, doesn't look pleasant. Uh, no. It does not look pleasant. It's pretty gruesome the way that flesh tears. They really did a good job of demonstrating tearing flesh in this movie. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Very good job. So we flash forward now weeks, months years right it's an indescript amount no of time. one knows uh, hours maybe who knows right, right? right. <laughs> uh frank is torn to pieces in his room and the cenobites are wandering around the room uh pinhead gathers up the pieces of frank's face and arranges them on the floor which is very creepy very creepy. very very creepy uh pinhead desolves the box unsolves the box however you want to say it i guess uh and they are out of there out of there <laughs> so the box opens doors to different dimensions Right? Right. The dimension, probably not more than one. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very scary dimension. Yes, it is. It's like the upside down. Or <laughs> kind of. Uh, so uh, Bradley says that Clive Barker, the director, told him to conceive of Pinhead as a cross between an administrator and a surgeon who's responsible for running a hospital where there are no wards, uh, only operating theaters, as well as being a man who wields the knife. Uh, he has he's the man who has to keep the timeline going. So that's kind of an interesting way to look at Pinhead, right? Like yeah. he's running some sort of interdimensional asylum for crazy people. Right. Uh, so the original beginning of the movie is a little bit different. Uh, the opening of Hellraiser uh, is different than what was in the final cut. Um, I'm not sure if there's differences in other cuts or anything like that, but what is the final cut, the theatrical cut? Uh, the initial idea was to show Butterball uh, uh, putting Frank's deformed face back together. Uh, but as a result of that uh, character's inability to speak because of his heavy prosthetic makeup, yeah, uh, they decided not to use him. And so they used Pinhead instead in a reshoot. And the actor, uh, Simon Bamford, that played Butterball, did not know that he was swapped out for decades, that the hands reaching down to arrange him are uh, Pinhead's hands and not his. Jeez. That's kind of weird, huh? So, once again, we move into an unknown time into the future. <laughs> yep. Larry and Julia are at the home now, and they have plans to move in. Uh, Julia is not impressed with the home to begin with. Nor would I. <laughs> nor, nor would I. Smells kind of musty in here. Oh, we'll get this all warmed up and get it feeling like a home. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Larry and Julia argue about the home, but they decide it's better than Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, it's better than Brooklyn. So they're alluding that it's not in America anymore, or that it's at least not in New York City, right? Right. Uh, Larry moves into the kitchen and Julia moves upstairs. Uh, Larry, Larry sees the kitchen much like we saw it when we entered the home before Frank did his weird voodoo magic stuff with the box. Uh, so only a short amount of time has passed, I guess. I a, guess. A very short amount of time. The food looks exactly the same as it did in that original shot. So maybe it's just a short amount of time. We don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. Um, so... I was really put off by that bug jump scare, and then when he walks into that kitchen and all like the yeah, it was disgusting. it was just absolutely disgusting. Could so you gross. imagine the smell of that kitchen? Ugh! And uh, like they flash forward like a day, and it's completely clean, completely clean, <laughs> completely, completely clean. clean. They went really fast. Yeah. I, I still have a hard time. I was talking to someone at work who's seen this, and I have a hard time imagining. A, that they clean the house that well that fast, <laughs> yeah. and B, 
why they didn't do the one room where most of the movie takes place. <laughs> they didn't they touch just, it. They just left it. They didn't <laughs> touch it. It's moldy and gross yep. and the windows are all broken out, whatever. They no, just touch don't touch it. that. <laughs> they spent too much time on the maggots and bugs in the kitchen. <sighs> Is that enough to make you say, yeah, we're not moving in here? Uh, it would be, an, I would definitely have second thoughts. I would definitely have second thoughts. I don't know if I could get over that. If we were stuck to being like, if I was stuck to having to live in that house, it'd be like, well, I'm hiring somebody to take care of this because right. I'm certainly not touching any of it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I will throw money at yeah, you. Yeah, name your price. <laughs> name your price. Here's my wallet. Just walk away with it, please. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but luckily for us and probably Larry, before he can investigate any further into the kitchen, Julia screams for him. Um, she's discovered Frank. She's discovered Frank's hideout uh, and being a real weirdo about it. Very big weirdo. <laughs> and we find out why a little bit later. But yeah. she's not trying to hide her feelings about Frank at all from the beginning. No. Uh, the phone rings and it's Kirsty. 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 <laughs> uh, Larry wants her to visit, but she's busy. She'll be there in a few days. She got her own room. She doesn't want to live with her dad anymore. How old is she? 19, 20? Must be yeah, like 19 ish. Something like that. I find it very old. weird that you say it's a room. So it's just like a studio apartment or something? A or room in somebody's house. A room, I guess. That's yeah, true. I guess. A room in somebody's house. I'm just going to talk about it right now because that's another thing. So this movie was shot and everything was made as if it was set in Great Britain. That was where it was supposed to be. Sure. And then when they made the cut, studio executives in America said they didn't like that it was in Great Britain. American audience aren't going to uh, relate to it. And I need you to dub all the British actors to have American accents. Sure. So it's set in America, but they talk as if it's set in London, Great Britain, right. wherever. So, so room is probably more common to yes. refer to it yes. in so Great just Britain. So it's such a weird thing. Like, why would you even... It just goes to show what how the movie industry has changed so much. Yeah. The fact that it being set in Great Britain today would be like a plus, I yeah, would think, right? exactly. It would be a plus. Not it's like, more of a mystery to yeah. Americans, yes. so I, I think it would be a plus. So, interestingly enough, I was going to wait a little bit longer to talk about it, but I just couldn't wait anymore. Couldn't wait any longer. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, she has her own room. She's going to visit in a few days. We see Julia going through Frank's stuff next up in his room. Uh, she takes a picture from his belongings, a picture that does not have her in it, just no, a it random picture. She could have chosen any of those pictures. Uh, so move-in day is on Sunday, uh, and we get that weird scene in the uh, stairway with uh, Larry and the moving guys. <laughs> like <it's>, Very weird. <laughs> take five, guys. <laughs> Take five guys and you just sit there and like, are they really needed to hold that mattress there? It's no. perfectly on the ground. Yeah, it's not a break if you're still just standing. Man. It's <laughs> yeah. not a break at all. And then that dude says, as one word, you got any bear? You got any bear? You got any bear? <laughs> <laughs> just so weird. So uh, weird. Julia says, it's in the fridge, you jackass. <laughs> I mean, really, right? The- <laughs> and then Larry's pissed that she's not going to go get it for him. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll get it. It's not yeah. like I have anything else better to do. And what have they done at this point? Like, they got the bed from the moving van to the bottom <laughs> of the steps, and right. it's break time, and go get our beers. Like, right. <laughs> so I know old homes have narrow stairways and all of that type of stuff, but the bed they're moving in there is barely bigger than, like, a twin-size mattress. Yeah. It should be a piece of cake. Three men. <laughs> Three. Come on. It's the heaviest mattress <laughs> ever. It's made out of pure oak pure oak <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I mean, it does kind of show also the scene with her kind of being defiant in a way. I mean, obviously, right. it's not a politically correct thing for him to be like, get my beer, woman. Yeah. You know, right. but she's being defiant in a way already is showing that her mood towards Larry has changed dramatically. Right. She's sick of his crap. 30 minutes that they've been there. It seems like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they haven't been there for brown. Uh, so cut to Christy. She's walking in a shipping port for some reason or another. Uh, it's some cool cinematography. I liked how she was walking underneath those large crane things. I'm yeah. assuming like it looked really cool. The music was ominous. It sets the mood for the movie. Agreed. Um, she makes it to the house and she likes the house. She has a little giggle at all the Jesuses that are sitting out front. So yeah. Like, it's a little bit of foreshadowing to a bit, to a little bit, I guess. To a little bit. Uh, she has a short conversation with Larry. Uh, he basically tells her to be nice to Julia because she hates moving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a weird reason. Go figure. Go figure. Uh, And then they kiss on the lips because that's a very common thing for a teen daughter to do for her father. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely very common for a 19-year-old to come back and kiss her father on the lips. I know I kissed my mom on the lips well into my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Very normal. Very normal thing. Very, very normal thing. Uh, Christy feels like some coffee, so she goes into the kitchen and she gets doused by that sink because it's, you know, pesky old house, all this weird stuff yeah. going on. Oh, my goodness. The that, sink fell that apart. That didn't get figured out. <laughs> that you know, didn't get figured. Nobody's too, used the sink the whole time. Too busy with the maggots <laughs> and everything. No one checked water pressure yeah. anywhere in the house. Good point. They probably would have been using that sink to clean the kitchen, right? One would assume. <laughs> Uh, so with Julia upstairs now, she is obsessing over the picture that she stole. She rips out the other woman from the picture and she's like, ah, yes, she's out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> <And> literally. We, <laughs> literally. And we get a little bit of a flashback and we find out Julia and Frank had a torrid affair. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, Frank went to the house to seduce her on her wedding night on purpose, right? That was his yeah. goal was to do that. Because I would he's, assume. To get his kicks. Right. To get his kicks. I got to stop doing finger quotes because we don't videotape this. <laughs> podcast <laughs> finger quotes are rampant in yes they episode. are yes they are uh kirsty interrupts julia's fantasy slash flashback flashback it is kind of hard to tell how much of this is like a true flashback or is right. it her fantasizing the situation yeah it seems more real than fantasy but it still has that air of being a fantasy um Oh, yeah. Christy interrupts Julia's uh, fantasy slash flashback, asking for a towel, and uh, Julia moves further into the house to avoid her by going up another level and goes into Frank's uh, bedroom and to continue her fantasy, her fantasy flashback. So weird. Fanta black. Such a weird scene. You know, she comes in and... Hey, did Dad tell you I got a room? It's small, but it's okay. Julia. (laughs) Julia. And she's just sitting up there one set or one floor above her. Just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it, get it. She has this like specific look too when she's on the stairs. She's like always has one hand on her stomach and one hand on like the railing. Yeah. And then she's looking like her face is facing direct out directly out, but she's like peering straight down. It looks very awkward. Yeah, I don't time. understand why she can't <laughs> say anything. And to me that would if I was Kirsty, that would make me want to go see what the hell's going on more. Right. I, mean, I, I knew she was right behind me and in ten seconds she's disappeared. I'd go up looking for her, not like well, she didn't answer, so I'm done with that conversation. Uh, uh, right. Going back to make another coffee. Or <laughs> and everybody in that household walks up those stairs as if they're 95 years old. Yeah. It's like, step, 
Step. <laughs> step. When normally we go upstairs, it's like step, 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 step. Like it's, she would have been up there in no time. Exactly. Step. <laughs> oh, what's going on up here? <laughs> so Julia is continuing her fantasy flashback, and it's revealed in it that she was a willing participant in the affair. Oh, very willing. Uh, they banged on her wedding dress. They banged on her wedding they dress. They literally banged on her wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing home alone on her wedding night? I don't know. And she also has an Irish accent in that scene. It does not in the rest <laughs> of the movie. But it's a very good question. She was playing a character during <laughs> that scene. So yeah, that's it's, that's why it's, it might be a fantasy too, because she made herself Irish. In She's Irish. Yep. Uh, so after they have sex on her wedding dress, Frank still isn't satisfied. He literally said, it's never enough. Never enough. It's never enough. I told you I don't prefer Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Don't that's hilarious uh julia tries to convince frank to stay by telling them she'll do by telling him she'll do anything for him anything <laughs> anything frank <laughs> uh this just sets up her willingness later on in the movie to do what she needs to do for frank yeah basically because they kind of refer to that a couple of times yeah um all this time larry has been uh still working on getting that mattress up the stairs and making zero progress <laughs> 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 in the process he snags his hand on a nail and he goes and runs and finds julia like a little boy <sighs> yeah <laughs> he finds her in frank's room not weird at all what no. are you what are you doing in this room look at my hand wow my... <laughs> why didn't we clean this room out this is gross <laughs> this, this is really weird well how did we miss this one? how did we miss this room <laughs> do you know where the band-aids are <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to go to the hospital yes yeah. <laughs> so they head off to the hospital but all this time all the blood that's been seeping from his gashing wound in his hand that's not really a way to describe wound is it a gashing wound no his <laughs> gigantic gash in his hand the blood is dripping all over the floor yeah. and the floorboards are soaking up the blood yep which is weird that very, doesn't very happen weird. that doesn't happen <laughs> that's not normal <laughs> Where in America does this happen? Ah, but we get a peek below the floorboards, don't we? Yes, we do. And we see that a heart has begun to grow. The hellbound heart. The hellbound heart. Tell me how any of this works. I don't understand even the premise of him coming back from hell, supposedly. I don't I don't understand how any like, of this works. Why why blood on the floors? They're like a like the barrier between the two dimensions is thin there because right. it's been open. That's the scene that made me think of like the upside down. Right. Because it doesn't make any sense, no. but it's just there. So are we supposed to believe that's the different dimension and that gets opened normally from the box? Or I don't know. I don't make any sense of it either. He no. just comes out of the floor. Then He does. The horror mechanics of how Frank actually comes back like initially once he comes back he's basically just a vampire right but initially it, it's hard to grasp it's hard for us like the movie just expects you to be like yep this is how it works it's working this is what's happening and he's certainly looking like something out of species yes when he first yes, comes he up really does that's yeah. that's a very interesting scene when he does come out of there and like his uh head and spinal column like click together yeah. like it's it's the effect is super cool i absolutely love those practical right. effects it's super awesome i'll reiterate i love practical effects definitely so it's super duper cool but the whole idea of how right. it happens just if we're supposed to make sense of it right. i can't so i don't know if that's something that ever 
reoccurs in more Hellraisers and gets better explained, or who knows? It, it maybe it does. I have never seen a sequel to this movie, so maybe it does. It, the maybe whole it, idea maybe of it. It, does. it uh, I don't know how it works, and the movie just assumes that you should know how it works, right? Or just accept that it does. But luckily, I feel like is you get five minutes further into the movie, and then you don't really think about it. No, you anymore. don't really f- think like, about it anymore. You're past it. Yeah, because once he has taken some shape and he starts feeding on people, then that's like a common like, oh, that makes sense to me in my brain for right. a horror film. And they never sense. you know, show anything like that again. No, so. they never do. No, they never do. Uh, so that newly formed yet incomplete Frank, he takes shape uh, and then lets out a blood-curdling scream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, later that night, uh, Julia and Larry are having a dinner party, housewarming thing, whatever you want to call it. They're yeah. having some people over. Uh, a young man named Steve and Christy are flirting over dinner. Christy's drunk. He's oh, yeah. trying to take her home, which is not very ethical. No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, Julia is feeling faint and she decides to head to bed. No goodnight kiss for Larry. No. She's hugging, kissing, saying I love you to all these other people. And she just gives like a side glance at Larry and is like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't like very, kissing you on the lips. Weird. Very, very weird. But instead of going to bed, she goes to Frank's room because yeah. she's obsessed. Yeah. And blah, it's a slimy skeleton. <laughs> Because that's what's in the room right now. It's a very slimy skeleton. Yeah. Uh, it's revealed to Julia that this slimy skeleton is Frank, and he needs help. Uh, Frank tells Julia it was Larry's blood on the floor that brought him back. Not how or why or what. It just did. Uh, where from? Just help me. Please, God, help me. Uh, so back downstairs, the party members are oblivious to the freaky deaky stuff that's going on above their heads. Makes no sense. Uh, makes no sense. Uh, Kirsty leaves the party and goes upstairs, potentially ruining the reunion between Frank and Julia. Uh, Frank tells Julia that she has to heal him. You have to heal me. <laughs> uh, the blood brought him this far. He just needs more. Uh, Christy and Julia pass in the hallway. Uh, Julia looks like there's something obviously wrong with her, right? I mean, obviously. she just saw a very slimy skeleton. Yeah. Uh, but the boy from before slowly strode up the stairs because that's the only speed that you can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's looking for Kirsty, 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 however you want to say it, and says goodnight to Julia. Kirsty leaves and says goodnight to Julia, and she leaves with Steve. Score one for Steve. Score one for Steve. <laughs> Way to go, Steve. So on the streets of London, but not London, indescript American town that looks like a European city, uh, with Julia's new boyfriend, <laughs> things are getting hot and heavy. Uh, plus that peeping homeless guy. Yep. Hey, peeping homeless guy, you're really creepy. I think I would have walked a little bit faster after I spotted him staring at us. I would have ran. <laughs> Me too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like Steve barely even like makes any mention that he sees this weird homeless guy staring yeah. at them. Whatever. Uh, we find out she doesn't want to stay with Larry because, Larry because of Julia. Uh, back at the house with Julia, and uh, she is awake in bed remembering the love affair she had with Frank. So she is obviously obsessed because that's all she's doing is thinking about Frank. This that's whole it. beginning of the movie, that's all she's interested in. And again, they reiterate that Julia will do anything for Frank. So she goes to Frank and tells him that she's going to kill some dudes for him. That's dedication, right? (laughs) That is serious dedication. Uh, So Barker has stated that he sees Hellraiser as more of a love story than a horror movie? I mean, the first half is a very weird love story. It is a very weird love story. Um, He said that Julia's motivation for bringing uh, Frank back, or for bringing men back to the house for Frank is done out of deep devotion for Frank, not like some weird bloodlust. Right. So it makes her not of like a, makes her not like a villain or anything like that. She's doing it for love. Yeah. 
Doesn't uh, make that's sense. A, that's a that's a stretch. That's a stretch that's for a stretch. me for sure. Um, and then he also mentioned that it works so well in the movie because of Claire Higgins. She does it so well. What did you think of her performance, Trav? I mean, I'm not asking you to be mean to her or anything, but what did you ask about her? What did you think about her performance? I don't know. She kind of looks like my ex-stepmom, which I have a problem <laughs> with. I, I can understand that. Uh, but I don't know. She. It's a weird love story to wrap your head around. It is. And she's so distant to every other character right away that it's like, did seeing Frank trigger this or was she always a biatch right you know i don't i don't for sure get it i'm not saying she was horrible but definitely as i keep watching like it's a little eh. her performance goes from being disappointed in the house to hating everybody like there's no in between we never see her being like oh i love you larry or right i wish i could make a better connection with kirstie with chris kirstie right i can't i'm it sounds so weird in my head i don't know if i'm saying it right i forget if it's kirstie it's not kirstie it's It's, is it it's it's not christie it's not christie it's not kirstie it's kirstie it's kirstie it's kirstie I will try to stick with it. Uh, I totally get what you mean. If she looked like a former family member of mine, I'd be like, yeah, that's tough to get by. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think her performance overall, just her acting performance, besides the fact that there was no in between her being distant, was a she was the best performance of the movie besides the Cenobites. She was probably the best actor in the movie. Yeah. Larry. Larry's rough. Larry's rough, you know, and Larry's probably the best one at when we get to the end of the movie. Yes. But in the beginning he's rough for right. sure. And Kirsty's fine. Kirsty's fine. She the whole time I'm trying to think who she reminds me of cuz she looks familiar like I've seen her in other things but I looked it up and she's just in the Hellraisers pretty much. She's some like weird mix of Natalie Portman and Millie Bobby Brown or something. I don't know. So that's interesting because Millie Bobby Brown looks a whole heck of a lot like Natalie Portman did around her age also. Right. And this Christy looks a lot like yeah. Natalie Portman also. So I she seems familiar, but yeah, she's not. <laughs> she also looked like a lot of female teen stars of the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, with like that, Winona Ryder. Yeah, and, the long brown hair, yeah. you know, the pale skin, the jean jackets. Like, she just looks like that stereotypical. Yeah, now that you say it, Julia definitely is the most... The best actress probably in this yes. movie. You can pick apart her performance a little bit in the fact that it's a zero to 60. You know, and like, she's the most heavily involved. Yes, she is. But overall, yes, she is the most heavily involved. And yes, so I think we're going to settle on her performance was good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it, was it, good. it was solid. It was. Good. I just have a hard time getting over this weird love story devotion. Right. I don't think I'll ever view this movie as a love story, as a romance. I think yeah. I'm just going to take it as straight horror. Straight and, horror messed up. Yeah, just that's what I'm going to take it as. Uh, we cut to Kirsty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Having a nightmare. And she's sleeping in Steve's room, I guess. Sharing, they're not sharing a bed. So yeah, that's... Uh, She's seeing a bleeding body under a sheet while there's a crying baby. Uh, it's unsettling, to say the least, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I was going to say very unsettling. Such uh, a weird scene. It's a very weird one, scene. One of those zero to a hundreds. Yes. Didn't see it coming. The straight shining vibes, right? Yeah. Yeah, straight shining vibes. Yeah. Straight shining vibes. Like, there's some real inspiration there from The Shining. Uh, it's revealed that it's uh, a bleeding body. The bleeding body is revealed to be Larry. That's obviously a bleeding body. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, Kirsty awakes from her nightmare and is concerned for her father. Daddy! Daddy! <laughs> uh, boy toy Steve and Kirsty are in different beds, like I said, so he did not do her. He did not do he her. He did not do her. Uh, Kirsty goes to call her dad, and he's all right. Never been better, daughter. Never better. Never better. <laughs> Uh, remember, okay, so how inconvenient. I do remember having to take a few phone calls in the middle of the night when the phone would ring and you'd try to sleep through it that first time because you're like, who is calling me at 1130 at night or even later? Yeah. So you sleep through it. You go, you're like, I'm not answering that. And then it rings again and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> now I got to get out of bed and answer my phone and you hello and it's luckily the times that it's happened to me, it's never been too serious. It's right, always right. been a dude being like, hey, man, I need a ride or something like that. Because, you know, I've been working the same job for many, many years and had to be responsible at a younger age. So, right, right, right. Uh, so it was, most of the time is that stuff. But the middle of the night phone rang, give me a break. <laughs> better, better not be Jake from State Farm. That's all I got to say. Yeah, better not be. Uh, Frank overhears the convo, and he seems to have decided that Kirsty is going to be his new obsession at that point. Um. He does it like he does have an obsession with Kirsty, but it doesn't really present itself until like the very last part of the movie. Right. You'd think since they introduce it so early that they would make it more of a thing, like maybe he would obsess about Kirsty a little bit more throughout yeah. the movie, but who knows? Maybe that stuff hit the cutting room floor. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, it's the next day now, and Julia heads out to pick up and kill a dude. Because that's what you do, right? Seems like it's the middle of the day, too. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, she's dressed in her 80s best, that's for sure. Those shoulder pads and that blazer. She's looking hot, right? Yeah. Uh, those heels, those extra high black heels. They should have been red pumps, though, right? To pull on that straight up 80s style, right? I but agree. Should have been some red pumps. Some red pumps. Uh, and that black pencil skirt. So don't forget, though. Don't forget those sunglasses. The giant dark sunglasses with the gradient where it's darker on top and gets lighter towards the bottom. Yep. So my mom was a teacher her whole career. That's what she did. And I vaguely, not vaguely, distinctly remember her wearing outfits like that in the late 80s and early 90s. I'm like, wow, that's like power wear for women out of there. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. This is one of the only times we actually see the courting of yes. bringing a guy back. Yes, yes. I'm glad they didn't do it all three times. That would have been Agre- repetitive. Agreed. The Definitely one time a was, waste of time. was I, way more I than agree. enough. You get her MO, how she's going to do it, and how she doesn't have to try, apparently, at all. At all. (laughs) Everyone is swooning over this woman. Yeah, Frank watches her leave, and like we said, that first victim is uh, quite easy for her to obtain. Yes. Uh, She gets him home, and some very awkward small talk. You can tell that she's very unsure of how she's going to do this. Right, and he's very weirdly aggressive. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there's a first time for everything, <laughs> like murder. That's like what Ju- murder. that's what Julia's talking about. She's getting ready to murder you. Um, she's apprehensive in the moment, and uh, she seems to have some second thoughts. And then the dude gets very pushy. You didn't change your fucking mind, did you? Like, okay, the creep factor through the roof. Through the roof. He can die. He can die. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, take him upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, since he was a dick, she feels pretty okay with killing him now. Yeah. <laughs> so they go up to Frank's room and let the murdering begin. Let at first, the murdering begin. At first, he's like, we're going to have sex in here. She's like, I like to do it on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, we don't need a bed. And he's like, I suppose we don't. I, I suppose we don't. I mean, it's kind of creepy. It's dark. It's moldy. And I hear some rats in the corner. If I'm going to get my dick wet, I guess this is what we're going to go this with. This is what we're going to go with. <laughs> you know what? I'm here and I'm ready. <laughs> he starts undoing his belt yep. and getting ready. And you know what he's rewarded with? Hammer blows to the head. Hammer blows to the head. <laughs> not once, not twice, but thrice. But three times. 
Uh, third time's the charm. Uh, that wound to his face, though, after he's laying on the floor and you really get a look at it from that second hammer strike she hits him in the face with, is super graphic. Yeah. And it made me think, like, yep, that's what that injury would look like in real life. If yeah. I saw that sitting next to me in some accident, I'd be like, yep, I've seen that already in a movie. Yep. Thanks for letting me relive that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so after she does kill that first victim, though, she stands over his body and she seems to be like in ecstasy over yeah, it. Like, I kind of like it. She's into it. She's got a taste for murder now. Uh, you know what they say. Once you pop, you cannot stop. You cannot stop. <laughs> I will do anything. Uh, Frank moves in to clean up that kill, though. Don't look at me. <laughs> He really doesn't like people to look at him. No, he does not. <laughs> uh, Julia leaves and goes into the bathroom to clean herself up. It's probably a good idea. Uh, she's staring at herself in the mirror to come to terms with she's, what's just happened, what she's just done, right? Trying to clean herself. Uh, she leaves the bathroom almost immediately, right? <laughs> right yeah. after that, not having cleaned herself up at all. No. Nope. Goes back into Frank's room, and Frank has the mutilated the body of that first victim. Uh, did he, like, remove the skin, suck out all the bodily fluids, get it. It's suck like a, the life out of it? Yeah, it's a mixture. It's like right. he puts his ha- fingers in their neck and that's, then sucks them dry. That's what uh, we see later on. Right. And that first one, though, it looked like he, like, ate the skin or something. Yeah. Because it, like, it looked like you could see his intestines, the way it right, looked. Right, right. So, I don't know. Who knows how he did it? It sounded like, I mean, when she closes the door, I think you see his hand, like, stab forward at the corpse. So, he's probably doing the finger thing. So. Yeah. That would make sense. Uh, Julia scans the room and she sees the newly upgraded Frank in the corner. Hey, <laughs> you're less creepy? A little bit. A little it's, bit. It's only a little bit at this point. Well, it turns out his hypothesis was correct. Uh, that body made him more whole. Um, every drop of blood will bring a little, every drop of blood will bring him closer to being complete. So great, good for him. He figured it out. Good for you, Frank. Uh, Frank approaches Julia. Come here. I want to touch you. <laughs> and he does. Yucky. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> Yucky. Uh, which is funny. He looks super duper slimy, but he like touches her and touches her clothing and there's never any like grease left over from it. Right. So a small oversight on the size and um, on the uh, special effects guy. She, Agreed. He, he should have been leaving gross slimy handprints on everything. Definitely. But that's okay. Uh, but uh, she's kind of saved by the bell in a way, right? Larry gets home and is calling for her. This cuts the uh, interaction between Frank and her very short. Uh, less slimy groping is always a good thing. I'm down with that. Yep. Uh, Julie na- Julia now has to dispose of the dead body quickly because quickly. Larry's home. <laughs> she just moves it into a different room across the hallway. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, and then she slinks into the bathroom very quickly because once again, Larry's going up to those going up those stairs. Step. Step by step. Very slowly. Very slowly. (laughs) Julia, are you in there? You want a cookie, little girl? That's just weird. So weird. I don't understand that. I don't get that at all. Is that a reference to something that's beyond us? Like beyond our age? That's that's bedroom talk for Larry. (laughs) uh, She likes saying all fantasize about stuff. It's Larry at his sexiest. It's been a while, but he's given it a shot. So his idea of foreplay is talking like a troll and offering little girls cookies. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay, Larry. <laughs> I don't think it's been working on Julia lately. <laughs> no. Uh, she uses feeling sick to uh, as an excuse not to come out. 
Uh, Larry leaves because he's going to go get her a brandy because that's what I get when I'm feeling sick is a nice tall glass of brandy. Definitely. <laughs> Larry leaves. Julia gets cleaned up and then goes back to visit Frank again. She just can't help herself. Uh, she needs, he needs maybe one, maybe two, maybe one, maybe two more bodies to become human again. It's three, but it's, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, Julia just can't do it. Uh, finally, Frank warns of the Cenobites. Uh, they're going to come looking for them. They must escape. Uh, they belong to each other now. Uh, for better or for worse. Uh, like love, only for real. Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. That is twisted. <laughs> uh, he obviously does not love her, right? He's using her for an ends to his means. Obviously. Obviously doesn't love her. Uh, the next day at uh, Kirsty's job at the pet store, because that's the first place I go, try, I go and try to get a job at when I'm in a new city, is the pet store. Why Definitely. not? Pet store. I love pets. Let's go get a job at the pet store. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the homeless guy is in there eating crickets. Uh, so do you think that may have come from a like real life experience Clive Barker might have had hearing some story about some destitute person going into a pet store and eating handfuls of crickets? Because I was thinking, I'm like, that seems like a realistic thing. Somebody that's homeless, starving and probably mentally unstable would do. That's very true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, where else do you pull that idea from? It's almost got to be a real life experience. I mean, he did come up with the Cenobites. <laughs> that is true. But still, I would, I'd like, I could see like some group of 15 year olds at a pet store being like, do you hear about that homeless guy? Came in here, ate a whole bunch of crickets. Ugh. You know, say so, like he heard that when he was like a kid or something. I'm going to yeah. put that in a movie. I don't know. Probably thinking way too much into that scene. But, but that is a very okay. weird scene. <laughs> it's a very, very weird scene. Uh, Kirstie's reaction is the only reaction that would be appropriate. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> she tells the homeless guy to leave and uh, gets a good long stare as he does. Uh, Steve is there and he startles her and has no idea what's been going on, even though he's been in the pet store because he didn't come in the door. Yeah. Okay. He's just the most. Okay. <laughs> okay. Steve. <laughs> Steve. Oh, Steve. Uh, he wants to see Kirsty after work. Uh, Kirsty looks back to the door where the homeless guy was and he's gone. She looks really surprised that he disappeared. Not like he just walked out the door. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> where did he go? He was in the door frame a second ago. <laughs> Uh, but it was nothing, and Christy tells her boy toy as much. It was nothing. Never mind. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, we're back home with Julia, and she has victim number two. Uh, dude also gets a hammer to the head, and Frank feasts. Mm. Uh, it's way easier the second time around for Julia. As a matter of fact, uh, we see Julia on the couch sipping a drink, uh, seeming quite content with her murderous side. Yeah, she's, she's like, down. She's like, I'm okay with this. I'm going to murder cool. some people. I'm good with it. Uh, she sees the goal of Frank being back to his old self. That's obsession. Uh, not because he wants to come back, because she wants him back, right? Mm. That's exactly right. Uh, both Frank and Julia are doing this for their own gains, so obviously it's going to end poorly, right? Uh, yeah, obviously. It's going to end poorly. Uh, back in Frank's room with Frank, and he's more complete than ever. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I want to see less <laughs> slimy, skele slimy skeleton. Um, he has clothing on, so that's a good start. That is a start. That's a good start. They do make his clothing look like they're wet. Right. They do make his clothing look like they're wet, right. so at least they went that far. Um, he finally has lips so he can have himself an old lung dart. I can finally <laughs> taste it. Uh, 
flavor country. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer has to sm- he's smoking a whole bunch of st- oh Patty and Selma were trying to quit smoking and they didn't want to get busted so Ho- Homer bites the bullet grabs both their cigarettes out of the ashtray and starts smoking both of them uh-uh. and I believe Marge asks Homer. Why are you smoking both cigarettes? And he goes, I'm in flavor country. It's a big country. <laughs> Very funny Simpsons. Never seen it. Yeah, I may not be completely correct in what I just went out there. And so forgive me if it was not completely correct. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, with Julia there, uh, Frank remi- uh, she reminds Frank uh, that he promised her an explanation on what's going on. And I would like an explanation as well. Uh, Frank shows Julia the box. Don't touch it. It's dangerous. It opens doors. What kind of doors? Doors to the pleasure of heaven or hell. <laughs> Frank didn't care which. He really didn't. He didn't. He not. really didn't care which. Uh, so he gives us a recap of the events that led up to his disgusting and slimy situation. It was all a sexual thing. That's yeah. what it was all a sexual thing. Pain and pleasure becoming in. I said that weird. Pain and pleasure. Not pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> Pain and pleasure. Indistinguishable. Uh, presented by the Cenobites. That's what they're into. Yeah. That's what they're into. So in this scene, this is where we see Frank hanging upside down, spinning around, all the blood coming off of him. Yep. So that was a camera test, and it was shot before any of the movie was shot. Oh, really? And it's arguably one of the more memorable moments in the movie, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so. He uh, that was all done before and they liked it so much that they decided to put it in the movie because Clive Barker thought it was super disturbing and it is super disturbing. It is. Right? Yes. Could you imagine how weird that would feel to be in that okay, to be in that situation minus the sexual stuff? Let's say you're in some weird situation where you are trapped, you are hung upside down by some murderous person, and now you're spinning and you can feel your blood coming down your body, dripping to the floor. Like just thinking about how that would feel, how you wouldn't really feel the blood because it's your same body temperature. You would just like see it coming off of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's too much. (laughs) I I personally would prefer to never be in that situation. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, if I'm ever in that situation, just please end it. Just end it, please. <laughs> please end it. Uh, one catch, though. It seems he was trapped there, and that it wasn't all that he thought it was going to be cracked up to be. No. So it was more than Frank could bargain for, uh, obviously, because he doesn't want to go back. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, he wants to live, and Julia's going to help him. Uh, and Julia thinks that they'll never be found by the Cenobites. Not in the whole wide world. That's not true, Julia. Not true. (laughs) Uh, Later that night, Larry and Julia are enjoying a nice boxing contest on the old television. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Larry is starting to see some signs that something is up with Julia. He's kind of been like, what? What? You never like to watch boxing. You thought the stuff made you sick. And she says, I've seen worse. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah. He's like, when? (laughs) That's just a weird thing to say. Uh, while they're downstairs, Frank Frank is making as much noise as he possibly can up there. Yeah. Like he's running back and forth. He's screaming, hitting the walls. Yeah. Is he trying to draw Larry in? I feel like he the, probably is. It seems like that's the only explanation for that activity. Yeah. If you're trying to be hidden, you wouldn't be doing that. Exactly. Maybe he's in a lot of pain. I don't know. I Ooh. mean, it seems more to me if he's doing that, he's trying to draw Larry in yeah. to be a victim. Uh, Julia uses an open window to excuse the noises. Uh, great. The old knocky open window. That's just the, yeah, I yeah, heard yeah. it a million times. 
<laughs> but Larry wants to check it out for himself. So Julia tries to stop him, but he insists. And so he's like, we'll go up there together since you're being weird. Let's both go up there and see what's go- going yeah. on. Uh, first, Larry checks the body storage room. Nothing, not a smell or anything. No. <laughs> then it's over to Frank's room. Uh, one last attempt by Julia to stop him. Uh, but Larry goes in anyways. The Larry's like, I'm going in there. I mean, I'm going in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank has left the room though He moved into the rest of the house uh, Larry decides that it was probably a rat No all the rats are nailed to the wall In that room so it's not a rat So it's not a rat <laughs> Nailed to the wall Was that what he was doing Was he nailing rats to the wall with the hammer Maybe he was Maybe he was Now that you say that Because I mean he does come out and cut one in half He right does after this. And there's a hammer in there Right that is some weird ass crap. Right so there. maybe that's what he was doing. He was hammering rats to the wall. So hammering rats. Hammering rats to the wall. Uh, Larry and Julia leave Frank's room. Apparently, Larry is all horned up because of the boxing. Because uh, he's going, let's <laughs> go bang now, please. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go make whoopee. Uh, but Frank is in the room also. He's peeping from the closet. Uh, did you love R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet series of music <laughs> videos or not so much? Not a big fan of those. Uh, um, I enjoyed watching them because they were funny. Right? Well, yeah. They're, they're very funny. And R. Kelly is a, a reprehensible man. Yeah. He deserves to be in jail for the rest of his life. But Obviously. Those videos are good for a laugh if you ever feel, <laughs> feel like watching Trapped in the Closet. <clears throat> Uh, so Frank is peeping, uh, and he moves out of the closet, and Larry is completely oblivious to the situation. He's like, I just gotta get in those pants. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't kissed me like that in years. Uh, he flips open, Frank flips open his switchblade, switchblade, uh, and seemingly he's coming to kill Larry, right? That's what you assume. He's walking towards the bed. He's got yes. a knife out. I'm gonna stab Larry. Let's gonna, we're gonna do it. Uh, Julia pleads with Frank not to kill him, not to kill Larry. Please, no, I can't bear it. <laughs> My accent is all over the place, but we'll go with it anyway. <laughs> it turns out to just be intimidation. Uh, Frank slices a rat on their bedside, totally ruining the mood. So. Totally ruining the <laughs> mood. Totally ruining the mood. Uh, Larry gets the hint, or at least uh, thinks that Julia was telling him no, because she's literally saying, no, no, I can't bear it. So <laughs> he mistakes it for being cues for him and not for Frank, but I mean. You should stop. If she's saying no, you need to stop. Probably need to stop. <laughs> uh, Larry leaves the room totally cock-blocked bo- cock by his brother monster. <laughs> his brother monster. <laughs> My brother monster. <laughs> uh, sometime in the near future. Still, you can never really tell how much time has passed between any scene in this movie. Could be a week, could be a month, could be a day, could right. be an hour. Who knows? Uh, Christy and Larry are out for some food at a Chinese restaurant. Kirsty, Christy, Kirsty, Kirsty, Kirsty. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, Larry's having second thoughts about moving into the old family homestead. Things aren't going too well. Not really. Uh, Julia has changed, and he just doesn't know why yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. Uh, Larry asks Christy to... I keep... Larry asks Kirsty to stop by the house and uh, try to make friends with Julia again. Uh, try to just give Julia somebody to talk to because he can't talk to his wife. Yeah, that's not an option. That's not an option. Nah. <laughs> and Kirsty obliges. He's like, sure, sure, Dad, we can do that. She's like, sure. Uh, back at home and Frank is confronting Julia about Larry. You can't love him. Julia says he doesn't. Julia says she doesn't. And I believe her. I don't think she does. I don't think she does. <laughs> Has she ever is the real question. And then Frank asks, like, what's the big deal with killing the dude then? Why don't you just let me kill him? Um, you got to let me kill him or the Cenobites are going to come looking and we're running out of time. So 
find me someone else. No. Yeah. I mean, it's either let me kill Larry or find me somebody else. So she finds victim number three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bad news, though. Uh, Kirsty sees Julia bringing another man home. Totally busted. Busted. Uh, Julia is all business uh, with that third victim. Uh, but victim number three spots Frank in the corner and the jig is up. The jig Ooh, is what up. the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be scary, man. Uh, Julia tries to kill the dude with the hammer, but is unsuccessful. And it must have been that like helmet of hair that he had because that was quite the do. He yeah, it was. <laughs> He almost escapes. Like that's incredible. Did she not lock the door this time? She's just become complacent in her murdering. Right. Uh, Kirsty's here. Uh, Kirsty hears the guy scream from outside and rushes to get into the house. Uh, Frank has to step in to finish the killing and then drink the dude's blood. This is where we see him insert the fingers into the guy's neck. New fear unlocked. <laughs> yes. Don't look at me. Uh, Kirsty is in the house now. And after hearing movement upstairs, Kirsty goes to check things out. Uh, she thinks that she might be just busting Julia cheating and not a skinless man drinking blood through his fingers. Right. Yes. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm going to go bust her. She's cheating on my dad. Oh, my God. That guy has his hand in his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Julia escapes into the body containment room uh, as uh, Kirsty moves up the stairs. Uh, Kirsty makes it to the top floor and is confronted confronted by victim number three begging for help. But it's Frank. Out comes Frank. <laughs> yeah. It's me, Uncle Frank. Come to daddy. Uh, it's just a disturbing line in this movie. Very disturbing. Uh, Frank backs Kirsty into his room and then Frank pins Kirsty against the wall and goes on some diatribe about how you have to endure the pain because it makes the pleasure so sweet. Uh, it's your so, niece, man. <laughs> it's pretty gross, dude. <laughs> so in desperation, Kirsty plunges her hand into his body. That's going to leave a mark. That's going to leave a mark. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, it sounded great, too. It sounded like she was just plunging her hand into a five-gallon pail full of jello or something. <laughs> <laughs> Some straight Jim Carrey, dumb and dumber, <laughs> pulling the heart out stuff. Right? It really was. Um, it's enough for Kirsty to get away temporarily, but Frank grabs her again. So Kirsty goes for the balls this time. Yeah. Got to kick a dude in the nuts, man. You got to do it. She's got to go for it, especially when he's mostly a slimy skeleton. Uh, she He stumbles away after uh, getting Frank. Uh, stumble, Frank stumbles away after getting hit in the balls. Uh, Kirsty stumbles back to find the box on the floor. What's it just doing out in the open? I mean, I guess it's not like he's got shelves or a footlocker or other <laughs> yeah. stuff. But still, you think he put it in a corner maybe Definitely. underneath a floorboard? It, it, it would be hidden over by the nailed rats <laughs> something, or something. something Come something. on. Not just right by the door. Hey, my box. <laughs> and so she's just, so her thing is, I'm going to throw it at him. It's my only weapon. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to chuck it at him, hit him in the face. Hopefully it hurts. <laughs> I, I think it'll hurt. <laughs> yeah. uh, Frank desperately wants the box back because it must be connected to him in some way or another. Right. Like, maybe he wants to become whole again and re-solve it and go through the whole thing again. Or it's connected to him. I guess. I mean, if it's connected to him. So if he can't be around without it, that's one thing. Yeah. But if it's like something that he's just compelled to have, you'd think getting away from it would be a good thing. Because right. the Cenobites probably have a connection to it also. I mean, obviously they do. Right, right. So uh, whatever the connection is there, he has some affinity for it. So Christy throws it out the window, much to Frank's dismay. Give me the box. Do you want it? Fucking have it. No. <laughs> That's a great. I love his no in that. <laughs> Just turns and faces the, the, the window. No. It's so good. It's so good. 
Kirsty uses this distraction to escape the room and run outside, and she recovers the box. Uh, she continues to run basically until all she can do is walk. That's the way it seemed to me, at least. Yeah. Uh, haunted by the encounter she had with Frank, lots of flashbacks, lots of time filling. Uh, <laughs> she collapses on the sidewalk, surrounded by strangers, and she passes out. And this is this instance where they're trying to make you think it's America again because the one dude has a New York Yankees hat on. Oh, right. So right. you wouldn't, I mean, so ball caps like that aren't a thing in Europe. People yeah. don't, that's like if you're an American and you're wearing a ball cap in Europe, everybody in a 10 mile radius knows you're an American. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And let alone a New York Yankees ball cap. So right. They're still trying to push on that. Hey, it's America. It's not America. It's not America. Um, what was with those nuns? I don't get it. Aren't they morally obligated to help her? One would assume. <laughs> but apparently the blood was too much for those nuns. They looked at her disgustingly and kept on walking. Like, Ugh, Ugh. touching you. <laughs> what well, a troubled little girl. <laughs> We're out of here. Let's beat it, Doris. <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> Uh, Kirsty awakes in the hospital, understandably confused. Uh, yeah. What was with that TV with the flower f- uh, blooming over and over on it? And it, the nurse was watching that? Right. It made me automatically think that it was like a setup. Yeah. Like, this is too. not real at all. This is a complete setup. Right. And the fact that the room she was in looked like a set. Yeah. It stood out compared to all the real world locations in the rest of the movie. Right. But... It put me in that mode where I'm like, oh, this whole thing's a setup. Why would she just be staring at, why would the nurse be staring at this weird video of this flower blooming over and over and over? It's not really a setup. It's kind of a setup. Is it a setup? Because the doctor comes in. He's like, you were really grabbing on this box. What's with this box? Why don't you tell me what's with this box? And she's like, I don't know what's with the box. And then he's like, here, keep the box and see if it brings up any memories. And then they both leave and they lock the doors. So maybe it was a setup. Maybe it was a setup. Maybe it was a setup. So the box does not jog her memory, but she has nothing to do, so she decides to solve it. Yeah. And then she slowly gains XP as it's twinkling (laughs) along, right? Exactly. The sound effect in there, I think, is the exact sound effect used in Minecraft to gather experience points. Nice. Like, I think it's really close. If it's not the same, it's very, very close. Um, That animation that's on the box multiple times in the movie was actually animated by Clive Barker. He did it himself to save some money. Nice. That's kind of interesting. He's a man of many talents. Novel writer, director, screenplay guy. I mean, he's a director. He's a guy of many talents. Yeah. Um, Suddenly, half the completed puzzle completes the rest of itself. I'm going to say that again because that didn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) She has about half the puzzle completed at this point, and suddenly the rest of the puzzle completes itself. Yep. Uh, And it reopens a doorway to hell. I'm going to go with hell. I'm going to go with hell. (laughs) Lured by a crying baby into this creepy tunnel that goes on forever, she willingly goes through that door that just materialized in her hospital room. Yeah. (laughs) It's very, very, very weird. Last place I'm going is down that hall. Yes. And one thing, though, that crying baby was the exact same crying baby, I would say, the exact same crying baby from her nightmare earlier in the movie. Um, so yeah, definitely not a hallway that I'd like to venture down. Um, she, Kirsty eventually runs into what I would describe as a fleshy scorpion man dolphin. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> what else would you describe that as? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's scary. It's super scary. It actually looks a lot like an enemy in Resident Evil. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? In the fourth one. Yeah. So yeah, it's super creepy, but I kind of liked it because it right. made me think of Resident Evil, but I, I like how you describe it much better. It <laughs> could only be described as a fleshy scorpion man dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that would kind of qualify as like body horror, right? Yeah. Because it seems very fleshy, very like it maybe was a person at one time. Right. The body horror in this movie is A+. Oh, definitely. David Cronenberg would be proud. That is for sure. Yeah. He would be very, very proud. Um, did you notice the rig that the giant can, thing was the, the, what did I say it was, the fleshy scorpion man dolphin was attached to? I did not. So as she's running down the hallway, you can see like the platform and wheels in a couple of shots that is the thing is on being oh, pushed. Oh, nice. Because in most of the rest of the shot, it's presented as kind of like using its big legs to walk right, down. But right. it's a thing on wheels. I mean, it's just, I was like, oh, sad. I saw that. I'm not, yeah. I don't want to see that. That's okay, though. You got to get it down the hallway some way in the movie. <laughs> yep. It's not going to, no CG in 1987 to airbrush that thing out of there. <laughs> uh, it chases her all the way down the hallway, and she makes it back into the, her hospital room, and the doorway closes behind her, disappearing. Uh, Kirsty grabs that box and tries to unsolve the puzzle to no avail. Uh, she isn't done with the weirdness yet, though. Nope. <laughs> Enter the Cenobites. Uh, that scene where, like, the the tiles in the room go to black with the yellow grout in it, like, the back, that was super, super cool to me. Yeah. I loved the look of that. Like, it was so, like, scary and unsettling and just so, like pleasing to my brain for some reason it looked very very cool to me uh the gang is all there old chattering teeth chubby and neck wound lady plus (laughs) our buddy pinhead can't forget pinhead patreon (laughs) (laughs) and our buddy pinhead finally gets the talk the box you opened it we came it's just a puzzle box Oh, no, it's a mean to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experiences, demons to some angels to others. I didn't mean to open it. It was a mistake. And then she screams, you can go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) No, they can't go to hell. Not alone, at least. You solved the box and we came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. (laughs) That's a very good pinhead, Trav. I like it. That's a very good pinhead. Uh, Quick on her feet. Kirsty offers up Frank if she can go free. She's like, hey, how about my uncle? Uh, he's a weird, he's a real weirdo. I don't like him either. <laughs> I don't like that guy either. <laughs> the Cenobites agree. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but if you cheat us. We'll tear your soul apart. <laughs> I love how he's just like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like it's a legit maybe. Like yeah. maybe, dude. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, we're back at home with Frank and Julia, and Julia thinks they should get a move on, uh, but Frank is only concerned with getting a new skin. He can't go out looking all slimy. He really can't. <laughs> no, he, he really can't. <laughs> uh, besides, Larry's going to be home pretty soon, and you know what? Larry's skin would be a perfect fit. <laughs> Larry's skin would be perfect. We're brothers. We're brothers. We're about the same height. You know, that'd be perfect. We're about the same, you know, same genetics. <laughs> Larry's home. <laughs> <laughs> And Julia has something to confess to him. But it'd be best if uh, he just went and looked for himself. What is it? Well, see, your brother, he's back. (laughs) And he needs your skin. So go upstairs. So please go talk to him. He's in the the creepy room that we didn't do anything to. (laughs) He's not going to murder you. He's not going to murder you. He just wants to talk about how your skin is a perfect fit for him. And I mean, looking at you, your skin looks like it would fit him really well. I have to agree. So I couldn't really dispute. So you need to go tell him how it's not (laughs) by yourself. And scene. And scene. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boy Toy Steve, he's looking for uh, Christy. Kirsty. Kirsty. 
uh, at the hospital, but she's gone missing. I don't understand. I locked the door. She was just in here. Oh, oh no. She's, she's gone. <laughs> uh, back at home and the deed is done and frank is the pow- par- frank is the proud owner of a new skin new skin dun, dun, tell him what he's won <laughs> <laughs> well frank today uh no uh julia has no remorse it seems about it at all not at all she does not love larry has never loved larry uh so frank in larry's skin throws the boots to julia <laughs> so she loves Frank yep. so much that she's willing to have him look like Larry for yep. the rest of her life. Yep. All right. All right. Plus, do you think his skin was like moving all around when they were doing it? Like a plastic bag around like a five pound thing of uh, ground beef. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just, I, I, I would <laughs> think so. Like Just kind of. Yeah. It would just be moving around all over. And. I mean, what's the wiener situation look like down there? I For mean, real. It has to be an abomination. It's got to be abomination. No doubt. <sighs> so Kirsty arrives at home with the box. Uh, I wish there was a better name for it besides the box. The box. I mean, it's the box. I guess. I'm sorry, but that's funny. Like we have the same size P&M. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the exact same size. It's the same size, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he wanted his skin so badly because yeah. he knew that their penises were the same size. <laughs> I've always known <laughs> that even when we were kids, that our penises would grow to be the same size <laughs> when we were adults. And I'm gonna need that skin. Um, oh, man. okay. So Kirsty, uh, she wants into the house so she can trap Frank. So she's trying to trap Frank. We have no idea what her plan is. She's had no like little like, man, if I should do this, maybe I can try to do this. She's yep. just going in there. She's like, I'm gonna trap him. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna trap, trap him. him. <laughs> I got it. The idea of eternal damnation, though, with the Cenobites is probably a pretty good motivator. That would get me going. <laughs> uh, Julia answers the door. Kirsty wants to see her father. And there he is. It's Frank. I mean, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Julie would have been like, there he is. There's Frank. I mean, uh, it's Larry. It's Larry. It's Larry. <laughs> <laughs> they even have the same voice. Even have the same voice. Same voice. There, I mean, there's no avoiding it on, from a practical point, but. Really no avoiding from a practical point, but it definitely confused me the first time yeah. as to what the hell happened. I'm sure the fact that they didn't dub it. Because it's still, at this point, it's still a question whether or not it is actually Frank in his skin. Right. right. It's still a question. We don't at know. At least for, yeah. Yeah, for the characters for in the movie. And even for us in the movie at True. this point, we don't know for real that it's that. But uh, everybody else was dubbed in the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, they could have dubbed him. They but certainly could have dubbed him. Maybe Clive Barker used it as just something to try to fool the audience a smidge more and make it, I don't know. Right. They had the same voice. It was weird. Uh, kind of like uh, face off. Yeah, they switch yeah. faces, but they oh, have the same voice. That movie needs to get on the oh, list. Definitely, that was one of my all-time faves. <laughs> family Guy does a great bit on that. I think it's Family Guy does a great bit on that. Very funny. <laughs> uh, fake, flake, uh, fake Larry, flake Larry, flake Larry, sure. fake Larry assures Christy that Frank is dead because uh, he killed him, so he knows. Yeah. Uh, and that he will take care of everything with the police. Don't worry about the police. I murdered them. a guy. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, Christy, however, is very insistent that she goes and sees Frank's body. Show her. <laughs> I wish he said it like that. He should have said it. <laughs> Show her. Like Randy, like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> Show her. Show her. <laughs> Uh, so Julia takes Christy to go see Frank's body, uh, but not before we get another nod that it's actually Frank under Larry's skin when he adjusts his little bit of his eye thing. Yeah. So there's the first like real like, yeah. yep, 
That's disturbing. It is disturbing, the sound it makes. So I paused that scene just because I wanted to see like a close-up on his face to see how, how everything was looking. Uh, and you can see about uh, a quarter of uh, Skinless Frank's ear exposed. So it's not like a perfect cover of the ear, so you can kind of see that underneath his ear. And then if you look really closely, you can also see like the seam that's running up the side of uh, Frank's neck where the skin has been put together, and it runs oh, all sure. the way up along his hairline and stuff. So yeah. I, I like that attention to detail. It looked like Frank grabbed Larry's skin and wrapped himself in it like a robe, right. you know? <laughs> Just used a, a, a drawstring to tie the waist together. <laughs> uh, Julia and Christy make it to Frank's room, and uh, Julia locks Christy in there. Because, of course, right? I mean, duh. Obviously. Uh, the Cenobites appear, and they want the man that skinned the corpse that's in the middle of the room. Uh, Kirsty still hasn't figured out. She still thinks it's her dad. She still is like, no, don't take my dad. Yeah, it's my dad. Uh, so Kirsty refuses to turn over what she thought was her dad. Refuses. Does she think it's her dad on the floor? I think so. I'm confused by this I right now. I think she does, because she does go in there and say, Dad, like... She does. But then she doesn't want to give him up, so that's weird. That is weird. Because I swear she goes in and says, Dad, when at the corpse that's on the floor. Oh, I get it now. It's because they want the man that skinned the corpse on the floor. So she thinks they're talking about her dad, who she thinks is downstairs still. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. And she doesn't want to turn him over. She doesn't know that it's Frank on the floor, so or that it's actually her dad on the floor at that right, point. Right, right. So she runs out of the room at that point because she's just trying to get rid of the get out of the situation. And the door's unlocked now for some reason or another, so she's able <laughs> yeah. to escape. Yep. Uh, she meets Julia at the bottom of the stairs, and Julia refuses to let her pass. So they kind of tussle a little bit, and Kirsty gets past her. Uh, Kirsty then runs into Larry slash Frank because she's still not sure yet what's going on. Uh, and he's like, they can all, we can all be happy here, right? <laughs> Very zombie-like from them. Come to daddy. <laughs> and then, boom, that's the moment where she realizes that it's Frank in her father's skin. Uh, so appalling like that would be quite the situation to have your mind have to deal with yes that's my father's skin around my uncle what is going on <laughs> saying come to daddy uh so kirsty scratches at larry's face which is frank's face in an attempt to escape uh revealing frank's skin underneath and then uh, julia calls out his name Frank! Yeah, because she's uh, pretty bummed about it. Uh, with his back against the wall, Frank goes on the offensive and gets his switchblade out intent on killing Christy. Uh, in the last, in a last second stroke of brilliance, uh, Kirsty simply steps out of the way. And yeah. Julia yeah. is stabbed in the stomach. Uh, whoopsies. <laughs> Ole! <laughs> and then uh, Frank just goes with it. Yeah, ever the lover. He just jams his fingers <laughs> in, her, in her neck and sucks all her blood out. Ever the lover. Yeah. And what does he say? It's nothing personal, baby. <laughs> Bye-bye, Julia. <laughs> uh, this leaves only Kirsty. Where are you, beautiful? Uh, she seeks refuge in the corpse room because that's the only room in this house anybody can hide. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good idea. It's right? certainly not a good idea. Uh, very cheap jump scare in this with the Jesus falling out of the closet. It got me, though. It got me, too. It certainly got it me. It got me, too. I was like, oh, damn it. Because <laughs> the first time I watched this... I watched Top Gun before to get ah. ready for that Patreon, yep. which eventually people will know what that is. Bing, 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 bing. But so I was watching this at like 
two in the morning or one in the morning, yeah. and I was not ready for Jesus <laughs> to come scare the crap out of me. How was Jesus the first thing that's going to scare me in this movie? But Jesus it, Christo! But it got me. It actually got me again today somehow, even though I was waiting for it in the light. But Still, still got you. Uh, Frank hen- heads into that room with Christy and Kirsty. Man, and Kirsty <laughs> seeks. I wish I could do like an auto replace like I do on the tech stuff, so I could just replace all those Christies with Kirsties. Kirsties. Uh, Kirsty seeks cover amongst the clutter. No smell at all in that room. She's not repulsed by the smell at all. No. There's no smell. No smell. No. no. Uh, bad news for her though. One of the corpses is going to spew a whole bunch of maggots all over her. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty hard to watch. So this is what the first dude that got the hammer to the head. I think so. It's it looked like him. he had. Well, maybe it was the last dude. I kind of feel like he had a blue shirt on. Mm. They, mm, that would have been the second dude. Whichever. It, it was one of these three th- that Julia killed. Yes. Is, I think it looked the most like the first dude. Yeah. He would be the one that would be decomposed the most. That's what I would think. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, you look at it, it was unbelievably hideous. It was just, I don't do well with bugs. I'm not Ugh. a fan of that. And somehow that makes no noise. So not only right. not only does she hold it in and not make a peep from right. that, she covers her mouth thinking she's going to or that she made a noise and then Larry Frank just walks out. Right. He, does, he seems like he heard something. Right. But as he thinks it's from another room, I don't really understand that. I would imagine hearing that multitude of maggots hitting a hardwood floor would sound much like a bag of rice being spilled. Something. Right? Something Certainly similar would make to that. a loud enough noise that you'd take one more step and see what's <laughs> huh? going on when you're trying to find this person to kill. Uh, so there was actually a maggot and cockroach handler in this movie. Uh, since the movie was filmed in England, there was a law that stated cockroaches of both sexes couldn't be on the same movie set so they wouldn't create an infestation so they couldn't reproduce. Yeah. And because Barker wanted to uh, do it right, he hired someone who could manage it. Uh, he explained that they were all male and we had a fridge. Uh, we chilled the maggots and the cockroaches in the fridge. <laughs> Yuck. That dude better got paid some good money. That I mean, if you're, a, job I do. if you're a maggot and cockroach handler, I would assume that's a chosen profession. Definitely a chosen <laughs> profession, and I'm guessing a name-your-price situation. Pro- he's probably the only guy in town. Yeah, I don't think there's <laughs> another option. Yellow pages, not looking like promising. Uh, yeah, my rate is uh, $10,000 an hour. Sir, this is 1987. <laughs> Sir, this is 1987. <laughs> $1 billion. Ah, uh, Frank leaves the room, though, after not really looking around. Like, he looked like he took, like, one step in and kind of, like, just leaned into the room. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I, I know that. she's in here, but no, maybe she's not. Exactly. And once he leaves, Kirsty immediately follows him. She That's what I would do. She doesn't hang out. She's That's like, certain. I would just get right <laughs> out and follow the creepy man who I somehow was able to get leave the room. Right. And she doesn't I, like look around at all. No, she just moves to the end of that banister. Just kind of, of all the there. things in this movie, that's probably the thing I have the biggest problem with because it just makes no sense. She goes out, and not only not only does she leave the room right away, she stands right out it in between that room and Frank's original room, yeah. and just sits looking over the steps with her back turned to the doors (laughs) what the hell are you doing and of course frank is hiding in his room obviously (laughs) why are you not trying to leave the house at this point like okay i've got i can see the stairs and i can't see frank time to go yeah nah (laughs) that's a really good point I wasn't even hung up on the fact that she stood there. She should have been full on sprinting out of the sprinting uh, although those stairs you know step Step. She does. Yeah, she knows the pace is very slow, so she's like, "Ah, fuck it, I might as well just stand at the top of these 
and hope that Frank slowly went down these. Maybe she just has some short-term memory problems. He left the room, and she's like, hey, where'd you go? Where where did that guy go? I mean, my memory might be wiped a little bit after some maggot situations. True. Very, very true. Any way you look at it, it was weird. It was weird. (laughs) It was weird. So Frank does surprise Kirsty, and he forces her into his room, because that's where all the action happens. Yep. Uh, Kirsty comes face to face with her father's dead body at this point because she's figured it out. Uh, but it seems that Frank has trapped himself, which is the weirdest. He trapped himself. Yeah. So she like had no plan, did nothing right, and it still worked out. Yeah. And then he <laughs> says, "You set me up, bitch." Like, it's like you actually kind of set yourself up, you doofus. He, he really did because those centibites appear. Frank gets all hooked up again. Literally. Uh, yeah, and it's just, wow. The incredible body horror once again. Ugh. Just incredible body horror. You set me up, <laughs> bitch. I like how he has this big pause before he says bitch. He really wanted to hit that bitch. That, that was another one of them just like Larry bad acting moments for me. <laughs> yes, like, it was. The, like they just gave up and said, ah, whatever. Whatever, it's Larry. I don't know why he's putting a pause in between <laughs> up and bitch. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. We're almost done. Wrap this shit up. Jesus, dude. <laughs> And his final line before he's uh, torn apart. Jesus wept. That's <laughs> pretty haunting, right? It is pretty haunting. It's also, how, it's, how does his teeth go rotten right now? I don't know. Because he does kind of have like, so Frank's character. So that was probably. Oh, right. So that was probably Frank in prosthetics, the actor. Right. And the other one was Larry. Right, right. So, but you're right. His no. teeth were rotten the whole time. So. Larry's teeth should have, should have been, been rotten. rotten. Okay, it does make sense to me now, though. And the other haunting thing about that scene, scene, especially when Frank licks his lips, he seems to be enjoying it. He certainly seems to be enjoying it. Like he's like, so, ah, so he did this. So yeah, he did want the box back to redo this. To Is that really what it was? Like to, come back to do it all over again? I feel like yes. Holy crap! Thinking about how much he enjoyed it at the end, like he wanted to rebuild himself. Yeah, and then do it again. May you know, so he did him and Julia. We found out that their relationship was very disingenuous. They were both doing it for their own means. Frank to just become whole and Julia because he loved Frank. She loved Frank and no right. other reason. So they do talk about escaping. And since he had no plans of really probably staying with Julia, that makes sense. That he his plan was to become completely human again. To open the box again and re-experience all this stuff all over again. Yeah. That makes sense. Crazy. That makes sense. And if anybody's interested in the Jesus wept line, I'm no Bible guy, okay? I'm not a Bible guy. (laughs) Not a Bible guy. But it's referencing a story about a man named Lazarus who died. Jesus was late to visiting him, so by the time Jesus got there, he died. And Jesus was really moved by how much his family and friends were crying over Lazarus. Lazarus. And that's where then they say Jesus wept and he went to Lazarus's tomb and resurrected him. Mm. So that's the like maybe the resurrection. The resurrection is kind of what I'm thinking. Where he wants to do it again because he wants to experience it again. Yeah. So that another thing that points towards his goal was to have this happen again. How messed up your life has to be to get to the point where this is what this is what you want. I literally want to be torn apart and die. And then do it again. Please do it again. Please do it again. <laughs> Bigger hooks this time. Bigger hooks if you can. Oh, that one that plunged into his spine at the end. Oh, yeah, that, that, I didn't realize how big it was till this final watch. Yeah, and then that's that, the one that's just huge. Like, yeah, um, 
It's like a boat anchor <laughs> hook it's or literally something. right, oh, yeah. It's rough. And that deep purple blood that comes out of it is just like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to put it, Trav. Uh, Kirsty hightails it out of there because that Finally. makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame her. Uh, and they, they tell her this is not for your eyes. Is yes. Pinhead says yes. This like is that. not for your eyes. But she still doesn't run right away. No. <laughs> it's like... Come yeah. on. And then as she's leaving the room, we see Frank get torn apart. Get torn apart. Just for a split second. Yeah. And then she gets out of there. Right. And what does she do? She rests her back on the door for yep. a little bit. Nah. She's tired. Get out of there. <laughs> you on, got plenty of time. You'll rest up going down <laughs> the steps, you know, a minute per step. Maybe so. she's got a sciatica or something. She's got a little sciatica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe if she hadn't waited, she wouldn't have run into the female Cenobite at the bottom of the stairs. That's true. Yeah, maybe. Uh, She's forced into her parents' room where she sees Julia flayed on the bed, holding the box. She takes the box, while Pinhead and the Lady Cenobite loom near her in the room. Uh, She tries to reverse solve the box. No, don't do that. Which is one of the funniest lines in the whole movie. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Go to hell. Okay, he he's going to just it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty sends them packing. I did like how Pinhead like rose up behind her, like he was materializing out of the floor. Almost. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was very cool. Uh, Steve is at the door and he's there to help. Kinda. Sort of help, kinda. Uh, one by one, she eliminates the Cenobites. And uh, did you? It was. Was it weird to you that the chattering Cenobite had that sheet over him? Yeah. Who really put the weird. sheet on him? Who the hell put the sheet on him and who took it off? That's or, that's the even weirder part. Is maybe he found the sheet to be creepier? Yeah. By covering himself up, but then it just arises off of him yes. somehow from some magic aura. So I have, I like the idea of him being in that room and being like, ooh, I'm going to scare her. I'm going to put a blankie on my head. Oh, I'm going to put a little blankie on my head? I'm going to be a ghost. I'm going to be a ghost. I'm going to be a ghost. <laughs> like, you know you're less scary when you cover up your face, right? Because you are horrifying. You are horrifying. <laughs> Normally. Horrifying. Uh, Steve and Kirsty they have this final showdown once again with the fleshy scorpion man dolphin. Uh, yeah, he's uh, back. <laughs> She plays grab ass with this thing for about a decade trying to get that <laughs> box from him, right? They're just yeah. kind of slapping yeah. it around. <laughs> like he isn't hurting her, but he keeps grabbing her wrist just firmly enough. And yeah, yeah, she's screaming all weird the whole time. She finally secures the box and sends that thing back to hell while screaming, Yeah! <laughs> and with everything defeated now, fingers crossed, <laughs> uh, Kirsty and Steve leave the house to watch it burn to the ground. Uh, in the embers that was the house, Kirsty tosses the box into the flames, hoping to be finally rid of the blasted device. Are we supposed to be able to make sense of what she's doing to destroy these people at the box? Like, she's just, I don't, like, what is she doing? She's So, I feel like when you open it, it opens the door to the next dimension, right? Yep. And then if you close it partially, it gets rid of some of the Cenobites. If you close it a little bit more... Some more Cenobites go away. And then when you close it all the way, they all go away. Okay, so she's like doing a little bit at a time. Yeah. And well, and then two, I, I'm just remembering this now. The box kind of like refigures itself a couple of times, right? Yeah. So maybe keeping the door open in a way, sure. you know, more finger quotes. This is not a video. <laughs> keeping the door open in quotes. <laughs> so, I mean, that I think that's the, the best explanation for it, at least in my opinion. Uh, so... They're hoping to get rid of that box. It's all burning up. And then our creepy homeless dude comes out of nowhere. He's back. Uh, he's going to claim the box from the fire while lighting himself on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Just takes it, too. There's no screaming about it. No. Nope. Because he's actually a skeleton dragon. He's a skeleton dragon. From hell. 
who survives off crickets from the pet store. <laughs> yup. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to return the box to the vendor in indescript uh, South Pacific Asian country. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so what is he getting out of this deal? I don't know. He's just part of like Pinhead's minions ultimately? I think so. I think that's a really good way to describe it, that he is working for Pinhead. If we take Clive Barker's description of what Pinhead does as being kind of like an administrator of this alternate dimension, yeah. kind of being maybe Satan in a way, then he I would guess that flaming dragon guy. Not human. No, definitely and not he has human. No game to get money. Like, no. He just brings it back to its beginning. Yep. Um, and just like the movie opens practically, we get our indescript Asian man in an accent saying, what's your pleasure, sir? So is it Frank sitting at the table? Probably not, because he went back to hell. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't look like Frank. We don't see who it is. We just see the box in the guy's hand. Oh, really? Yeah, that's all we see at the end. I thought we saw the person. I'm not recalling that, but you might be right. No, no, no. You're right. It is just, the uh, you see the Asian guy yeah. at the end. Yeah, okay. And he's just like pleased with the fact that he got another got sucker <laughs> so is what is that guy's tie to the box i don't know he must be getting some under the table deals from pinhead maybe or maybe he's got a deal with the devil in quotes <laughs> <laughs> where he gets to gain monetarily from this box until he dies and then when he dies he has to go to cenobite hell yeah maybe yeah. That's true. Maybe. I don't know. There's apparently a whole bunch of more lore expla- exploration in the other movies. So oh, sure. Maybe that stuff gets filled in there. But yeah. I don't know it. So, uh, Roll credits. Roll credits. Um, before we move on any further, though, I'd like to talk about the rating of this movie. So initially, the MPAA, the people that rate all our movies that we go and see, uh, gave Hellraiser an X rating, forcing Barker to make the following cuts. Uh, Shots were removed from the original hammer murder scene, including a shot with the hammer embedded in the victim's head. So I'm glad we missed that one. Uh, One scene in which Julia murders a naked man was reshot, so the man was (laughs) semi-clothed. So no butt or peen in this movie. That's okay. No hanging dong in this one. (laughs) There was no nudity, which is very... I'm surprised. I am surprised, actually. For an 80s horror flick, not even a single boob. Yeah, that's true. One boob. Uh, close-ups of uh, Kirsty shoving her hand into Frank's exposed guts were removed, so that could have been even worse. Yeah, which I don't think that would have been too bad. I would have, no. I would have liked to seen maybe a little bit more her come out with a giant handful of intestines. Definitely, I would have gone for that. Uh, parts of the scene where Frank is being ripped to pieces by the Cenobite hooks were cut, so that was supposed to be much longer. And then the shot at the end where Frank's head explodes and his brains blast all over the room was removed. Yikes. So that tiny bit of snippet that we saw was probably supposed to be an extended scene. Yeah. Which would have been tough to watch. Definitely. I could have gone for it, though, I guess, at that point after making it all the way through the slap movie. Slap it on me at the end there. You made us live through the rest of that. And leave them with gasps, right? Yep. <laughs> you want gasps, not laughs. You want gasps. Yep. <laughs> Man, that was a really good movie, Trav. What did you think? I really liked it. It was a lot. It was actually a lot better than I was expecting. Like I said, I was expecting to be way scarier. I was expecting to be... Uh, like Pinhead and the Cenobites to be way more prominent of a part of the movie. So the first time I watched it, I was really surprised that, uh, um, now I can't think of the brother's name, Larry and Frank. Yep. I was surprised to see that Frank was basically like the main villain, like him and Julia almost teaming together as the villains. But 
I thought it was good. I think uh, the best way to describe it is sexual and violent. Yeah, definitely very yeah. sexual and violent. Yeah. You, I will definitely say that that is very true. What did you think, Drew? I liked it. Um, I kind of have a weird, like, soft spot for like weird dimensions and hell and stuff. It's it, it really borderlines very hard in a lot of crossover with the sci-fi that I like and enjoy. Yeah, a perfect example of that is oh my god, what's the movie with Sam Neill? with the spaceship they go to hell in the spaceship i know i know jake is screaming (laughs) event horizon i even got to it without having to look it up suck it jake (laughs) just just kidding just kidding just kidding just kidding uh like event horizon is like a really good cross of that where it's like space and hell so it's the best but uh, this movie also straddles that for me with sci-fi and hell and weird dimensions and cool stuff that's happening that's slightly unexplainable. Like, I know we kind of pick it apart in this podcast a little bit, but yeah. I still find that unexplainable quality to the movie, like, endearing, and I like it about it. Agreed. And I like the fact that it made me think about those things. Whether or not Clive Barker intended us to be thinking about, like, why some of these things were happening, why is Julia being a bee immediately, and stuff. Right, right. If he intended us to think about that or not, I still enjoy thinking about those things about this movie definitely a lot of questions still after seeing it so i mean you are kind of set up to want to know more and maybe watch more of these hellraiser movies so going into this uh homework assignment i this is a movie that i've seen a couple of times always on tv i don't think i've ever seen an unedited version of it yeah um it left me wanting more and i did not expect that right i did not expect that it left me wanting more so i understand why it's a very popular film or film franchise and there's a new series on hulu that's currently running new episodes of a tv program i had no idea existed but now it's all over my phone because i've been talking (laughs) hellraiser for a week right know? right uh, but yes i really like the movie and i will watch it again i don't know if it's a rotation movie but i will watch it's, it again it's definitely a halloween type movie yes definitely is definitely definitely is uh do you want to hear about uh, a bizarre promotion that was uh, done for this movie i do so in a promotional push for this movie producers organized a very unique marketing ploy they had a home shopping network program where you were able to buy uh merchandise from the film sweet (laughs) including uh like the configuration tissue box whatever that oh the lament configuration tissue box is that the i don't oh i get it now lament configuration tissue box like a tissue box a box that you put over tissues probably looked like the box right looked like (laughs) the box i get it now and a hellraiser thermos and a coffee mug so why not right uh the program was hosted by a chipper old lady who claimed to be a huge fan of the movie uh the program also included a very rare first edition vhs tape of the movie that's neat nice there was also a canceled video game i would have liked a hellraiser video game yeah it would have been very uh like silent hill-esque right right yeah i kind of at least uh in the wake of the film's success uh color dreams developed a video game based on the hellraiser in 1990 uh the project was nixed uh but the game would have been one of the first to allow the player to save the game and resume at any point later on nice cutting edge in 1990 yeah that's that's neat so it was obviously a super nintendo game with a battery right (laughs) (laughs) i guess it could have been a sega game with a battery did sega games have batteries did they do that save on the screen i don't know i can't remember i don't have a lot of experience with sega games so i don't know email us email us 
So Color Dreams presented the game to Nintendo, uh, which mandated a fee to evaluate the game before officially sponsoring it. Uh, Color Dreams opted to not pay the fee, severing ties with Nintendo and ultimately killing the game. Must not have been a very good game. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't we move on to that homework assignment, Trav? Let's do it. And continuing our Halloween theme, uh, we're going to do some Nicktoons Halloween. Um, I'm excited to get back to some Nicktoons. Yeah, last year's was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, we're going to do three unique episodes again from three different series. The first one we're going to do is Rugrats, and that was created by Arlene Klasky and Garbo Caspo. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Gabor Caspo. And Paul Germain, original release for uh, Rugrats was August 11th, 1991, and it ran all the way to August 1st, twenty. 20- That's a weird way to say that. 2004. (laughs) We're going to do the episode uh, Candy Bar Creep Show, which is episode nine of the first season. Um, That'll be fun. We're going to do the next series of Hey Arnold, and that was created by Craig Bartlett, based on Hey Arnold shorts by Craig Bartlett. Um, The original release for Hey Arnold was October 7th, 1996, and that ran until June 8th, 2004. 2004. (laughs) No other way to say it. Not, yep, that's exactly right. Uh, We are doing season two, episode 11, Arnold's Halloween. Uh, So that should be fun, fun, fun to do. And that originally aired October 27th, 1997. Um, We're going to revisit Salute Your Shorts for our third episode, created by Steve Slavkin, based on Salute Your Shorts, Life at Summer Camp by Steve Slavkin and Thomas Hill. Original release date was July 4th, 1991, and that ran until September 12th, 1992. That's a short run. Yep. Uh, so we're going to do Ghost Story, um, and that one is the episode that features Zeke the Plumber. So if you're familiar with uh, Salute Your Shorts, Zeke the Plumber should be a pretty uh, common thing for you to know, I guess, right? Yeah. I'm excited to do those commer- or commercials, cartoons. I can't wait to do some cartoons. Love Agreed. me some cartoons. Uh, With that out of the way, Trav, why don't you hit me with that outro? Let's get into the outro. So we got three suggestions, ultimately, for the emails today. And first off is who other than Jake Basis from (laughs) Triple Falls giving us another one. So uh, he asked for some more Paul Verhoeven, please. He sent us a picture of the movie Basic Instinct. And uh, he says... It's hilarious, especially through the lens of the time when it was so edgy, but now it's just laughable. I <laughs> can't wait. So that's another one I've never seen. So perfect suggestion for us. And then I know, I know everyone, including myself, is excited to get some more Arnold from Drew. We got I Ain't Got Time to Bleed from <laughs> Man Bear Pig is sending this in another one. He said... I'd watch Predator this weekend on Max, and man, what a cinematic masterpiece from 1987. I'm formally requesting a breakdown of it because I'd love to hear your analysis. I remember watching this as a youngin' many times and still love it to this day. The quotes from Jesse, the body, and Arnold are superb. My favorite Predator kill is Mac getting executed point blank and his face is clearly obliterated out the back of his head. One minute later, there's a close-up of his face fully intact. (laughs) I've never noticed that before. He says classic 80s writing. Classic. He says some other stuff in here. He says we don't have to read, but I do like his suggestion that we should maybe talk to somebody who's been in the military and get their aspect on this because he brings up how there's a lot of 
hip firing and shit in this movie that just doesn't make sense like call of duty running out there and flexing your arms just so so it looks sweet (laughs) in the movie but it doesn't actually make sense no one's aiming down the sights or anything um and then he also you i've only seen this movie once so i can't answer this question i will once we do this movie finally but maybe you can he wants to know what our favorite quote scene and predator kill is from the movie can you pull any of those out uh, it's a movie that I've seen a few times. It's definitely a classic. Absolutely love it. Um, quotes. I can't pull any quotes right now because I always think about the Ain't Got Time to Bleed because Ventura plays such a prominent role in that yeah. movie. Um, I'm trying to think anything else. The kills. Um, you know, maybe this is a cop out, but when the predator explodes himself at the end, that's a pretty cool kill. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, once again, it's a movie that uh, I've seen a few times. Most of the times that I've seen it, it's been on TV. Um, I'm excited to watch me some Arnold. I'm not going to say predator, but some Arnold. Some Arnold, <laughs> definitely. And I'll have you read the very bottom line of that All for right. us. He says, so Jesse says, thanks again for the show and get down to the chopper. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That That one's for you, Jesse. That's for you, Jesse. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself and maybe I'll chop this out since there was a nice little break there. Um, I might smell our first guest appearance. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, maybe. 2024. It's coming. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so the last one here is from Lauren, a.k.a. Sandy Cheeks. Uh, she just writes in a simple, hi, can you do a Goofy movie? It was one of my favorites as a kid. Well, duh. Duh. <laughs> I, I love that movie, yeah, too. definitely. Yeah. Love that movie. That That's what made pizza look amazing. It did. I mean, between TMNT and that, but yep. I, I'll never forget the the scene of lifting yep. the pizza slice or unforgettable the, or the leaning tower of cheese leaning yeah Polly shore animated movie basically playing himself in dog form you can't go wrong you can't go wrong okay i haven't looked it up all day i saw that email and i've been racking my brain to try to come up come up with the name of the music artist that everybody's obsessed with in it the only thing I can come up with is Power Station, but that's a real band and not the name of the guy in the... Oh, man. He's got the lightning bolt on him. What is it? I literally have a shirt that says this, and I can't think of it oh, right now. Man, but it I starts cannot... with a P. I'm yeah. almost positive that it does. We'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm like, I've been literally racking my brain all day about it, avoiding looking it up, because I'm like, I'm going to come up with it. Come up with it on my own. I'm going to come up with it. Next episode, I'm going to come out screaming it. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. It was this episode. (laughs) It was this episode. (laughs) Uh, So the last thing I'll do is my question for Drew. So since this is our Halloween episode this year, do you have a Halloween tradition or a Halloween movie like Christmas that you always try to make sure you watch around Halloween time? Um, I know since I married my wife, we watch Hocus Pocus around Halloween time. It's one of her favorite movies, so I always make sure that that one gets into the rotation. Um, I sometimes will watch Nightmare Before Christmas around this time of year. For sure. Um, It's like we talked about how last year when we did that movie, it's like the perfect transition between the two holidays. You can watch it from Halloween all the way through Christmas if you want to. Right. Um, It always gives me a little bit more of a Halloween vibe, but... uh, that's just the images that comes to mind for it. And I probably said the complete opposite at the end of the podcast. That made me feel more. I think I actually did say that I think it's a Christmas movie over a Halloween movie. I still stand by the fact that it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. But it still makes me think of Halloween. 
Right. Uh, so that's one of them for sure. Um, anything else about that? If I catch a horror flick on the TV or something like that, that's something that I I will like to watch. You Definitely. Know? If it is the season, as they say. Right. I don't think we ever have a specific one. I mean, I really always try to make sure I watch The Shining. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's great. We yep. did that already. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen. And Nightmare Before Christmas. So both of those... The first Halloween movie, like yeah. the original Halloween it's good. movie, is really good. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Young Jamie Lee Curtis. But otherwise, we try to watch like one to two movies either she hasn't seen or I haven't seen every year just to amp up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never really been big into horror films, so it just it's not on my radar very much. I know you like them. You and I do. Uh, you and Lauren both like them very much. Um, do you know the story behind Michael Myers' mask that he wears? I don't. It is a mask of captain james t kirk really yes that's isn't that interesting they literally went and bought it from a store and that's what he wears that's hilarious some i've seen some people say that it's inside out i've also seen people say that it's painted white sure that makes more sense to me because it's got hair on the top yeah so not inside out there wouldn't be any hair on the top right right but interesting right that's an interesting fact but that wraps up uh, another fun episode for us, our first Halloween episode this year and our third Halloween episode ever. Uh, make sure you guys are emailing us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can help suggest what we do and write our show. You could be like Jake and write 10% of our topics that we cover in this show. Man, he's going to have to get a cut of all our profits. He's going to have to. <laughs> God dang it, Jake. Uh, and then make sure, of course, you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>